The scripture will be taken tonight from 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And I will be reading from the King James Version. And this was manifested, the love of God toward us, because of God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Good evening and welcome again to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence, as always. We appreciate those of you who are visiting with us. We encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We are grateful for the beautiful day that God has blessed us with. It is our prayer that it has been a good day, especially for our fathers. We are thankful for the time that has been set aside to honor them as we did our mothers just a little over a month ago. And we hope and pray nothing but the best for you. We appreciate your wisdom and guidance, the influence that you have exerted down through the years. And we pray that God will bless you with a long and prosperous life in his service. We're going to be looking at 1 John chapter 4, and specifically we want to note verses 8 and following for just a few moments. I want us to think for a moment or two about the theme, love in 3D, because really we have the dimensions of love defined by the Apostle John, and John is sometimes called the Apostle of Love. And he spent a lot of time talking about the love of God, the love that we're to have for God, and also the love that we're to have for one another. But tonight, specifically, we want to focus on the great love that God has for those of us who are members of the human family. And so, as we begin looking at 1 John chapter 4, I would call your attention in the first place to the declaration of love. Note, if you would, this statement made by John in verse 8. The Bible says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. One of the great qualities of Almighty God is that He is a being of love. As a matter of fact, the Bible over and over again relates unto us the marvelous love that God has for us as his creation. After all, he is the one that framed us in his own image and in his own likeness. There is just something to be said about the relationship that a parent enjoys with a child. I think about those of us that have been blessed to have children, and sometimes we talk about how they are bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh, and we speak of the great love that we have for them. Well, the Bible says God is love. And as a being of love, he has showered on the human family expressions of love, and we'll talk more about that in just a moment. But note, if you would, in verse 9, just note some of the excerpts in various verses in 1 John chapter 4. In verse 8, the Bible says, God is love. In verse 9, we read, the love of God. And then in verse 10, and this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And then verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us. God is a being of love. I think about 
the importance of love in the world in which we live. And no doubt there are a lot of ills in our world that could be corrected if people only loved one another. But God has shown us the exalted beauty of love. And so when you talk about some of the defining characteristics of God, well, one of those characteristics would be his immense love for us. And so we think about the declaration of love. But then secondly, I want you to consider with me the demonstration of love. When we talk about the demonstration of God's divine love, it could be summed up in one word, and that is sent. God sent his son as an expression of his love for fallen humanity. Note what is said in verse 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is not only a being of love, he is not only a love, he is not only a being that verbalizes his love towards us, but he is a being that has demonstrated or manifested his love towards us in the highest order. Well, how did God demonstrate his love toward us? Well, the Bible says he did so by the sending of his only begotten son. Think about John 3.16. Sometimes we call this the great golden text of the Bible. And yet in John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world. There's that, that idea of God as a being of love. But the God who so loved the world gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has demonstrated his love towards us through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5 at verse 8, the Bible says, But God commendeth his own love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then I think about in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. Here John said, by this we know love. Well, how do we know love? Because he laid down his life for us. This morning we talked a little bit about talking the talk and walking the walk. Well, God not only verbalizes his love towards us, but he has demonstrated that love towards us in the sending of his only begotten son into this world to die for our sins. Now, I think that the fact that God sent his son into this world on our behalf underscores the gravity of sin in the lives of men and women. You see, the Bible, in a very plain and forthright way, deals with the problem of sin in the lives of people. When you think about sin, what comes to your mind? Now, John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, at verse 4, that sin is the transgression of the law. The law being the word of God. Those who transgress or transcross the law of God, thus stand in violation of the will of God. 
and suffer grave consequences without the blood of Christ. But there are a lot of people in our world today that downplay the significance of sin. And yet the Bible treats sin as a reality in the lives of men and women. You go back to the book of Genesis in chapter 3 and you find that sin made its entrance into the world through Adam and Eve. As a result of their transgression in the Garden of Eden, sin entered the world. And thus death came upon the human family. Physical death, yes. Spiritual death, absolutely. Read Romans 5 verse 12. For by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. Well, what about sin? In the book of Romans in chapter 1, Paul talks about the Gentile world. And in chapter 1, his conclusion is the Gentiles, they're under sin. Now you could just imagine the Jews in that day and time. They looked down upon the Gentile world and if the apostle Paul had said the Gentiles are sinful people, they would have said amen to that. But then in chapter 2, Paul said, the Jewish world, he said, they too are under sin. And so then he draws his remarks to a, to a summation in chapter 3, when he said in verses 9 and 10, there is none righteous, no, not one. In verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, because of sin and the gravity of sin, God sent his son into the world. Listen again to what Jesus said in John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not the son into the world to condemn the world. The world was already condemned. But he sent the, the son into the world to save the human family. That was the purpose for the son of God coming into the world. Jesus came to set us free from sin and death. But we think about God's divine, divine declaration of love and then his divine demonstration of love. How do you show your love towards other people? Well, sometimes we, we verbalize our love to other people. Maybe we do that face-to-face. -face. Maybe we do it over the telephone. Maybe we send somebody a letter and express unto them how much we love and appreciate them. But ultimately, how do we show our love for other people? We show it not just in word, but in deed. Well, that's what God has done for us as members of the human family. He has declared his love for us. But he has taken it a step further in the sense he has demonstrated that love for all of humanity to see. God has loved the human family. Again in verse 9, in this the love of God was manifested or demonstrated towards us. That God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. There's a third thing I would call your attention to in 1 John chapter 4. And that is the design of divine love. If you wanted to somehow sum up the design of God's immense love for us, I would suggest it could be summed up in the word salvation. 
God is interested in the salvation of the human family. Listen to what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 at verse 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Or listen to Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4, or rather 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God is interested in you and me as human beings. That's hard for me to imagine living in a world that is populated with over 6 billion people. It's hard for me to fathom. And yet the Bible says that the very hairs of our head are numbered in Matthew chapter 10. God knows each and every one of us intimately. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And because God knows us and because God loves us, he desires our salvation. I would encourage you to read the book of Ezekiel sometimes, specifically Ezekiel chapter 33. I think sometimes individuals have the idea, the mistaken notion, that God delights in the death of sinful people. And yet, God said to Ezekiel that he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. No, to the contrary. God is interested in the wicked. He's interested in those who are caught up in sin. He is interested in those whose lives have been ravaged by the devil and his forces. God is interested in your salvation. Do you remember when Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary? In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says that that angelic chorus heralded a very beautiful message. They said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. But they also said, unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Jesus came to save the human family. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus loves the human family. Look at verse 14 in 1 John chapter 4. The Bible says, We have seen and do testify that the Father has sent the Son into the world to be what? To be the Savior. In other words, he sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Now, here is the divine testimony of an apostle. And John is saying, listen, we're bearing record that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world to save us. God is interested in all of us. I think about that beautiful song that many of us learned as a, as a child. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. God loves us, yes. Jesus loves us, absolutely. God and Christ demonstrated their love towards us as members of the human family by sacrifice, by giving all on Calvary. And so what is what is the design of God's divine love? It's your salvation. It is my salvation. I said just a moment ago that we live in a world that exceeds six billion people. 
It's hard for us to imagine a world that is literally under the sway of the devil. And yet the Bible is a love letter to lost humanity. And that love letter expresses unto each and every person, God loves us, God has demonstrated that love towards us, and God wants us to be saved. Aren't you grateful that you've had the opportunity to hear about the love of God throughout your life? Aren't you grateful that you have been privileged to learn about the great love of Christ, of what the Lord has done for you personally? I think back over the years, and I'm so grateful that I had a grandmother that knew the truth of Almighty God and brought that truth to our family. And through that saving message, I can rest assured that there are family members of mine in heaven. And that if I live faithfully, as well as my other family members, if we live faithfully, we'll all be together in heaven one day. But it's because of the love of God. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy, for the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, has quickened us together, or made us alive together, with him, that is with Christ, for by grace are you saved. God has showered the human family with his love. Now, just as God has demonstrated his love for us, the question might be asked, how then do we demonstrate our love for God? Well, in 1 John chapter 5 at verse 3, here's what John said, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I think about God loving me enough to give me a divine message from heaven in the form of a Bible. And this book is literally a road map to heaven. And if I truly love the Lord, then whatever he says to do in this book, that's what I'm going to try to do in my life. Because that's how I demonstrate my love for God, by keeping his commandments, by doing his will. It all begins when a person becomes a Christian. Sometimes individuals will talk about their love for God. And yet, on the other hand, there is disdain for his commands, for his will. Well, if you really love God, whatever he says to do, you're willing to do it. Because you know that in so doing, God will truly bless your life. What would you need to do to become a child of God, to be a New Testament Christian? What would you need to do to be right with Jehovah God this night? Well, first of all, you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I think about the importance of faith in Almighty God. You and I, we can't see God. We do not audibly hear God speak to us. 
But we can know there's a God. How can I know that there is a God? Because I can look about and see creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. God is the divine architect of the world in which we live. Our bodies are evidence that there is an almighty creator. So I can know that there is a God. I can come to believe in a, in a divine God through creation. But in order for me to truly have faith and knowledge of his will, I have to have revelation. And we have that in the form of the Bible. And that's how faith is appropriated. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. We are instructed to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 at verse 7. Faith is what gives substance to life itself. But then we are instructed to repent of every sin. That means we get out of the sinning business. We give that way of life up. We make a, a turn in life. Let me give you an example of that. When Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, he said it this way, let him that stole steal no more. Now that's repentance. Whatever a person is doing that is contrary to the will of God, he or, he or she ceases that activity. And so there is repentance, a change of heart, godly sorrow. And then there is confession. Confessing with our mouth what we believe in our heart. A good friend of mine many years ago said that he had the opportunity to hear the late Brother Bradfield preach the gospel. Some of you may have had the opportunity to hear Brother Bradfield. He was associated with Freed Hardeman University for many years. And Brother Bradfield preached a gospel meeting in his hometown many, many years ago. And he said later that night he began to think about the lesson that he had heard and about the gospel of Christ. And he made the decision he wanted to obey the gospel. And so a call was made. Brother Bradfield, along with the local preacher, I think, met him at the building. And he said, it was very important for me to make the good confession. Because many times we'll ask somebody, do you believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God? And, and the respondent will typically say, yes, I do. This friend of mine, Robert, said, it was important for me to say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he said, when he made that good confession, Brother Bradfield said, now that's a confession. Do you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And would you be willing to say that before others? And then finally, would you be willing to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? Now you need to understand something. There is a line of demarcation that exists between those who are in Christ and those who are in the world. Those who have yet to be baptized they are outside of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, Paul said that those who are outside of Christ, they are without hope and without God in this world. That means if a person steps out onto the plains of eternity without God, they are without hope. No hope. Not one hope. But in verse 13, Paul said, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off are made nigh, brought near by the blood of Christ. 
When you're baptized into Jesus Christ, your sins are washed away. That's what Paul said in Acts 22, verse 16. He said that Ananias had instructed him to arise and be baptized and wash away his sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So you need to be baptized. Because if you're not baptized into Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ is not availing in your life. And you're lost. And so you need Christ in your life tonight. Now what about if you're unfaithful? If you're not walking in the light, then as John said, the blood of Christ is not availing in your life. And so you've been severed from fellowship. But you know what the beauty of repentance is? It's reflected in the words of John in 1 John 1 verse 9 when he said, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God can cleanse every sin. I'm grateful that we serve a loving God, that no matter what we've said, no matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, God has the capacity to forgive each and every person. The psalmist said it this way, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. In other words, when you and I obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, when the blood of Jesus is availing in our lives, when we repent of sin, when we turn to him, our sins are literally hurled into infinity. So we can bask in his presence, pure and just in his sight. Tonight we ask you the question, are you living for the Lord? Are you living faithfully for him? Our goal is to go to heaven. And what we want to do is we want to go to heaven, but we want to take others with us. That's what, that's what being a Christian is all about. There are a lot of people that live in DeSoto County. And you and I, we have the opportunity to make an impact in the lives of people. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Find one person. Share the gospel with them. Tell them about the love of God. Encourage them to obey the gospel. And then they in turn can go out and teach others. Tonight we ask you the question, are you living for the Lord? Are you living faithfully? Would you come as we stand and sing?